I, I joined as a seaman gunnery, right? So I had multiple roles um, in the Navy. He said, under under the seat, bro, there's a bag there. That's for you. I opened it up, bro. It was a sawn-off 12-gauge shotgun and a balaclava. <laughs> and that's what I did. That was my introduction into knocking on some doors, uh, some heavy deer collecting. I've been in shootouts. I've been in some pretty hairy stuff, brother. All that talk to my gang pulled up, but we pull up and they all dead. Dear Heavenly Father, please watch over us and please bless everybody watching right now. In Yahusha's name, Amen. Alright, Amen. Amen, brother. So what's your name, my bro? Where are you from? Oh, my name is Owen Pomana. I currently reside in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, but if I was to say where I was actually from, my dad was from Wairo, represent, <laughs> and my mum's from Danivik. So uh, I'm a Hawks Bay boy living in uh, Auckland. Hawks Bay, they breed them tough out there, don't they, brother? So this is the brother Owen here. Welcome to the Fallen Show, my brother. It's good to have you on. This guy was actually one of my first guests a, a while back now, but uh, my editing game again has gotten a bit better, so I thought I'd have the brother on once again. Um, well, actually, currently he's in Spain. As you can tell, he's um, looking a bit tan there. Um, but he's red. Actually, yeah, a bit red. But um, yeah, the brother's actually been on the front lines of the Ukraine doing his humanitarian uh, work over there, doing the Lord's work. Um, brother, how was it over there in the Ukraine, man? Yeah, it's actually, it's really hectic to tell you the truth. So uh, on, on the war front there, so like uh, East Ukraine, uh, some hectic stuff happening on all those fronts where um, uh, Russia are having, a, you know, their, their war with the Ukraine. Um, as a humanitarian brother, I um I just we just it's a senseless loss of life, and so um being in that neutral place where you know we get to to do some humanitarian work within the Ukraine for the last three months, uh, but our heart is still for people, bro. There's there's sons that are not going home to their loved ones tonight, bro. You know, uh, the new weapons that they're using in warfare these days, they there's nothing to send home. They they just ash, and so um heard some hard stories. Um, you know, bro, they were just like us, just like Australians, just like New Zealanders. They eat food, they have kids, you know, they drink coffee, they tell stories. And then uh, just through disagreements, you know, through governments and people in high places, bro, they uh, sacrifice their people. And so uh, it's been an honour to be able to um, uh, bring out people and our nation as peacekeepers, peacemakers, you know, although New Zealanders sent uh, uh, people to train people in mass weapons of mass destruction, uh, that we're uh, telling a different story that, um, you know, that we will come, we'll come and help Afi and support uh, their loved ones and bring them food and uh, do what it takes to try and find a solution for them. Oh man, again, beautiful work you're doing over there, brother. And um, we'll definitely touch into that more um, in a bit, but man, Owen Pomana here. So this dude, um, man, what a walk of life that this guy's walked man. He's, um, He's worn a few different hats, man, in, in his walk of life. You know, he's, um, like he just said, he was born in the Hawke's Bay, grew up there. Um, you know, he was involved in the Navy, um, did a lot of things there, you know, ended up in Australia. Um, unfortunately, ended up on the wrong side of the tracks, you know, and um, ended up, you know, becoming a bit of a debt collector, you know, going around, you um, doing a few things in that space you know he ended up in prison also in new south wales um eventually led him back to new zealand where he ended up you know finding the lord and um being able to do all of these good things in life um he also won the um kiwi of the year you know so that was a huge accolade there brother to to receive that so um 
man, just uh, where do we even start, eh, brother? Like, well, how, how about, man, so how, how did you start off in the Navy, brother? How, how about that? Well, I hated school. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, mean, I went to a Catholic boys' school, and, man, I used to get whacked all the time because uh, all, all, all the young kids from Wanganui, they were bad little buggers, you know what I mean? And so I ended up smoking pot and smoking cigarettes, and um, I'd always ask the wrong questions, bro, at the Christian living classes. I ended up getting whacked, you know what I mean? Try and hide up a tree, but always used to end up, you know, tough little Maori kids, bro. It would be like, oh, everyone's watching out the windows, and if you're going to get whacked, put five pairs of shorts on. And the priests were really mean, bro. They were mean, naughty little kids, bro. But in my um, fifth form year, I had uh, we had the Army, Navy, and Air Force come around in the recruiters' bus, and uh, so I did all the exams. And the first to draft was the Navy, and at that time, uh, my, I lost my father. That was the first sign of depression for me was uh, losing a father at the age of 16. And so, um, yeah, yeah, you know, when somebody loses someone of value, do you know what I mean? Now, uh, the old man was hard. He was a hard man. He was a sheriff. My dad had tats all over him, man. In those days, they had these big black tats. And our dad always used to say to us, you boys ever come home with tattoos? I'll give you a hiding. <laughs> we're a bit afraid of our dad so even me being in the navy bro i never got any tattoos although i've woken up in tattoo parlors drunk off my rockers right and and the guy's got a uh, a needle gun ready to put a daffy duck or something stupid on your arm but like i've woken up in time bro so i wear my tats on the inside yeah nice brother nice oh wow yeah, so okay. i went into so- the royal new zealand navy yeah, well, so they, they visited your school and you just pretty much fell in love, was it? No, I just wanted to get out of school. So the first draft was the Navy. <laughs> you know, I, hate, I hated school. So, you know, the first thing that draft was the Royal New Zealand Navy. I, I joined as a seaman gunnery rate and uh, did a few courses overseas, a sea aiming, which is a missile course. And then I ended up doing a ship's course. So I had multiple roles um, in the Navy. Traveled, traveled the world with the Navy, so it was beautiful. But it was just an extension of what high school looked like. So, you know, we had many, many, many uh, brothers that come from Hatapaura, Hatapetara, Tipini, a lot of Māori boys' schools. And I mean, the armed forces are full of Māoris. Well, just New Zealanders, but a lot of Māoris. So it was like, it was the same. It was just an older generation and a different scene, you know. Um, yeah, so I traveled the world extensively in the Navy. And in my last year, I tried to get a transfer to do a zero SAS course, but they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me go to that course. So I felt uh, I just left the navy and uh, went home. At that, at that at the time, I was really in good shape. I just finished the ship's divers course, and um, I uh, entered my first bodybuilding competition. And so I, I won about four or five different regionals: uh, Hawke's Bay, um, the Holofanua, and I won the King Country Classic. And then I had uh, entry into the Australasia IFPV. And so I represented the 70 to 80 category, uh, 80, 70 to 80 kilogram category in Sydney, Australia. And then I won the South Pacific Naturals in Taupo. Uh, and I ended up going to the 1997 uh, World Natural Bodybuilding Champs in the States. Bro, and when I was uh, in my hometown in Napier, bro, I fell in love with the most beautiful wahine, right? And all my mates knew she was the one. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I said to my best friend, because I'm going overseas and then uh, when, I, I, um, when I come back, I'm going to marry this girl, look after her, eh? 
And um, you know, I come back, he was looking after her. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I had to no. find out when I was on the drink, do you know what I mean? Try to tell my mates I was going to pop the question, you know what I mean? And give her the ring and, 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 and you know, live, live the good life. And uh, but my second best friend, he was going, Oh, yeah, bro, I got something to say to you. I mean, I don't think your mate's your best friend. I was going, Yeah, what is it? Oh, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's with your missus. I went, ah, Bro, come on. You ain't going to do that. Mates don't do that. But it was true. So a couple of days on the drink, bro. And I was 12 o'clock at night and I decided I'm going to deal with this right now. So I um, turned up on her doorstep. His car was in the driveway. I think I jumped up and down on the bonnet a few times, kicked in the top of the thing and, and wrote dog over the windscreen. You know, do, <laughs> do ugly things when you're angry, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm standing on the door and I, I, I knock on the door and she opened the door up and she goes, you, you know, we're finished, eh? I was going, yeah, yeah, no, I'll get all that. And she said, um, I said, I'm not really here to see you. I'm here to see the bro. She, he goes, oh, bro, I'm not going to fight you. I said, nah, it's all right, bro. I'll come to give you a hiding. And um, she goes, you better go now. I'm going to call the police. I said, call the ambulance too. <laughs> and so, like, I give my friend a beating, mate. And in that, you know, in, in that headspace, I thought, ah, they're going to lock me up. So I'm just, I'm just going to go and jump off the cliff. I was 25 years old, bro. And I went up to the cliff there, speaking nasty stuff into the atmosphere, cursing God who I didn't know. Mm. And then a couple of hours later, bro, I chickened out. It was too high. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I tell you, man, lots of kids have jumped off that mountain, eh, man? It's oh, like, really? you, know, you know, so grateful I didn't, I uh, chickened out because um, then my mate said, ah, don't worry about that. Let's go snowboarding for six months. And I ended up getting a, uh, a job at the powder keg in uh, Orkuni. And, and uh, but I, I was just angry. I was bitter. I was a good fighter, bro. And uh, I was just to knock people out <laughs> on the door. And um, I got into trouble with a couple of blokes who, who uh, I chucked out the window or through the window over a game of pool. And they came back and they put a put a tomahawk axe in the side of my um, side of my waist there. And um, then then the, then the head security man says, "Bro, I think you've got problems, bro. There's there's, there's a whole family of them, bro. They're going to come and cut your head off." And he said, I said, ah, you better leave, better leave Wakuni. So I did. And so I jumped on a plane, bro, with my Taiaha, $500 and a broken heart, bro. And I, I ended up in, in uh, I ended up in King's Cross, the red light district, because I'd been here in the Navy many times before. And so I don't know why I chose to go to the King's Cross, but that's what I did. And so I ended up at the Hampton Court. Everyone knows the Hampton Court if you're from Sydney. And uh, a few big pubs on the corner, bro. And, um, my last, my last feed, bro, I had 100 bucks. I couldn't bring myself to uh, ask for help. But I ended up homeless in the streets. And um, I found me a cardboard box. That was to shield me from the people looking at me because I was embarrassed. Do you know what I mean? So I'm educated, bro. I've been, to a, I've been to a college. I've been in the Royal New Zealand Navy for eight years. Been a bodybuilding champ now, bro. I'm living in a cardboard box in uh, Rush Cutters Bay. And so a lot of people who have great stories or heavy stories, not great stories, heavy stories of, um, you know, drug addiction, violence, all that sort of stuff um, can be quite compelling for a lot of people because I think, oh, that's what I want to aspire to be. I want to ride a Harley. You know, I want to go and do uh, heavy debt collecting, but that leads to death and even prison. You know what I mean? And a lot of people yeah. that you, you've been sharing with will tell you prison's not a nice place or a place that you want to, spend your life, life life being in, do you know what I mean? Because it's like if you can stay out of these places and be a witness for your family and your um your loved ones, then that's a better testimony, yeah. Yeah, most definitely, man. And um 
you know, for a lot of us just looking at it, you know, um, you know, God's plan is perfect, brother. You know what I mean? He puts us in a lot of those um, dark situations to refine us and we end up coming out the other end and being able to, to return to those spaces and, and give a hand. So I, I was walking through the, um, the, the cross past the Hampton Court. And I always see these big Kiwis and these Islanders, bro. All, all of security in, in most of Australia are, are done by Kiwis and, and uh, Islanders, you know what I mean? Because they're big. And uh, yeah, I just walked past this, this, this pub and uh, the big doorman, he goes, bro, you trained down that gym down the road there? I said, yeah. He goes, you want some work? You want some money? He's doing what? He goes, oh, I'll go for a ride with our bro in the morning. So, so I went for a ride with this big Kiwi fellow, bro. And um, as we're traveling out to Bondi, he goes, oh, under the seat there, bro, there's a bag. I said, oh, what, what is it? He goes, have a look. That's for you. I opened it up, bro. It was a sawn-off 12-gauge shotgun and a balaclava. <laughs> I went, holy hecka. Because what are we doing? We're going pig hunting. He <laughs> starts laughing. He goes, what do you think? They're just going to give us the money. I went, hey, what, what money? He goes, you stop the car, bro. He goes, you can get out if you want. If you don't want to be here, get out. And I thought, oh. and I stayed in the car. And that's what I did. That was my introduction into knocking on some doors, uh, some heavy debt collecting. And so, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of things, bro, in that, that world there. And then um, uh, we was at a nightclub up the cross and we got a visit from the tactical response team that looked looking for me and another Kiwi bloke. And we walked out onto Bayswater Road, bro, and there was just a whole tactical response team and guys with guns yelling, get on the ground. And so uh, I had my first set of handcuffs on, bro, and uh, they took me to the King's Cross Police Station and uh, I, I knew, you know, just, just get me a lawyer sort of stuff, but I want to talk to you. And as I was going out to um, prison, I was 25 years old, man, I'd never been in prison before in my life. And so, like, you know what it is when you go through uh, uh, your first part of um, uh, going into the prison, they give you your clothes and stuff, and they take you down to your first pod, you know what I mean? And so I was out at uh, Silverwater, and I think there was, we were 100 men units down there, and, like, and you get down, and um, you know, everyone's looking at their little windows, and they're going, <laughs> it's just staring you up, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, looking at them like this, but... I ended up making uh, friends with the kingpin of the prison. It was known as the kingpin of the prison uh, back then, Big Simon Boy. He's one of my best friends. And um, he said, first time prison? I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you'll be right. It's all good. Raymond Curry, he's, a, he's amazing. Anyway, bro, I, um, when I got out of prison there, I did my first term of uh, a year and a half uh, for an armed kidnap. Um, it was just a, just, a, just a job gone wrong. It was supposed to be a, a collection of a really, really expensive car ended up becoming a, um, an armed kidnapping of one of the wealthiest businessmen's son in the whole of Blingen, New South Wales. So, um, yeah. So anyway, after a year and a half, they let me out and I got 300 hours community service on top because um, one, of my, um, one of my friends in prison, who's still doing life in prison now, uh, put my bail up. <coughs> when, you, when, you, when you used to hang around with, with Big Ray, I mean, he'd say, like, people would challenge you, I and if you... Um, if you get beaten, you can't sit on the table with us ever. <laughs> and so uh, I had a few fights inside. And, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, a, it's a nasty place if you let it be. You know, a lot of people say you have to stick up for yourself. And usually if you don't look after your shoes, if you've got nice shoes, your shoes are going to go missing. But, like, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, man. If you um, people find out what you're in there for, what you've done, and um, who you click with, and 
Oh, I used to just kick around with normal people like us, bro. Like Jeffrey Morgan, he was cool. A few others. And uh, so I just bide my time. And so it wasn't hard for me because I was training. Uh, I was in shape. Um, I, 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 I knocked out a few people. So um, no one was coming near our doorstep. And I couldn't afford to 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 uh, be known as someone who was stood over, you, you know, on yourself. You know what I mean? You, you might as well go, send your puts, go to six or something. You know what I mean? But like... Um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's not an easy place for a lot of people, but uh, we got through it, bro. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's right, brother. Came out the other end. So where, where, where did it go for you from there, man, when you got released? So when I got released, man, I, it's funny because I got picked up. I got picked up by um, a couple of Lebanese brothers, right? They picked me up, man. Uh, you know, when you're walking out of prison, man, and all the, all the brothers are slamming the doors and they're burning their sheets. They're like, don't come back this pit, Owen. Oh, you're like, you go, brother. You're like, don't come back this shit, old. And uh, as you're walking out, you go through three or four gates, you know, you're carrying your only gear that you have when you first get arrested. But when I come out, bro, there was a, there was a BMW waiting at the gate for me, a couple of Middle Eastern brothers, they had a couple of Rolex on, nice gear. You know what I mean? I got in the car. Now, Le- Le- Lebanese are funny, bro. And they'd be like, are you hungry? i say, yeah, 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 I'm hungry. And they'd be like, what do you want to eat? I-, I don't know. I've been in prison for a year and a half. And so uh, they took me to Auburn for a kebab. <laughs> and, and so then one, one gave me 10 grand cash from a Chinese man that was in prison and um, they handed me a 9 mil Glock <laughs> that was my that was my welcome back into the back into the um, uh, in, 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 out, of the, out of the prison sort of thing and so now I was taken to a strip club uh, run by a bike gang and so that was my introduction into the darker part of my, my next part of my journey over 12 years and so I, I was just brought into a, a bigger family of people who are just like myself. And then I got to look after a, um, a person in the underworld. I won't disclose his name. And uh, so I, I helped bodyguard look after him. And I brought my brother across from New Zealand. And uh, we looked after this bloke. And then very short term, uh, I had to send my brother home. And um, we moved on from this other bloke. And then I went to live with a national president of one of these bike gangs. And then never joined, but uh, always grateful they took me in. And so uh, I learned debt collecting really, really fast or mediating. Um, I want to tell you, I've never never killed anyone. Um, I've been in shootouts. I've been in some pretty hairy stuff, brother, but I, the, the, the grace of God, as you talk about God, um, the grace of God upon my life is, is that it kept me from murder. And so I've done copious amounts of drugs. Um, and I moved from Sydney up to Queenstown, uh, Queensland, uh, to Brisbane. And it's just the same story, bro. Just the same people, different state. So it, it doesn't really matter. In, in the drug scene, uh, in the uh, organised crime scene, same people. It doesn't matter where you are. You can't hide from people if, if you're on the run, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. find Very you. small world, isn't it? Very small world. Yeah, yeah, world. yeah. If, even with these stories that we're sharing, people say, yeah, I've, I've done prison with David. I've done prison with my own. And so you can only give an account of what you know. Anything you you super exaggerate will come back to hit you. Oh, it always it always will come out. It doesn't <laughs> it always comes out in the wash. Yeah, and so I um I was just like a dog going back to its vomit, bro. I became a um a mediator for hire, and so in my drug infested state, I, I was not even probably good at that because my drug addiction was so bad that if someone sent you to go and get drug collection, you'd probably end up not giving them the drugs or the money. That's how off tap you were in the end. You know what I mean? Mm. So. You're seen as a crazy person anyway, you know, I mean, in and out of prison most of your life and carrying a gun all the time. And so people say, that guy's just insane. 
And so nobody wants to deal with an insane ice heat, you know what I mean? Um, I stood on the road many times with a sawn-off shotgun, smacked off my rockers, you know, screaming at the, the, the imaginary police and the trees and all sorts of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. had lots of people come, said to me, come on, man, you're, you're really sick. I mean, trying to stab fish in a bling and fish tank with cameras in its eyes and taking everything electrical to pieces. That's what drugs did to me, you know what I mean? Just made me insane. So, like, nobody wants to hang around with a, an insane person. And so I, I really had many friends. I just had drug addict people who were the same like me. You know what I mean? So we're like vampires, bro. And so for the next six, seven years, bro, I went out of uh, Queensland prisons. I've just about done every prison in, in the main state of uh, Queensland. So I went to Brisbane Correctional, Arthur Gorry, up to Woodford, um, down into, um, what's the other ones? Um, ah, there's a few others, bro, that, that I, I'd spent most of my time in. So a lot of time in the court system, a lot of money being spent for, for, for nothing, and, um, you know, I used to pay lawyers to tell lawyers all the time, bro. <laughs> I, mean, I was just off tap. Every time they'd send you on uh, work release and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean, to, to do your community hours. I used to beat people up. I used to turn up smack. You know, just I just had an answer for everything, you know what I mean? I'd be like, get off, get off, getting sent back to prison. Just, yeah, just got good at evading the, uh, the system all the time and just never really – ending up um, getting on top, just going around the mountain. A lot of us do that sort of stuff, do you know what I mean? We're lost, broken. And so um, one of the, my last jobs I did, bro, I did a collection for 900,000 kilo of cocaine and um, job went wrong. And so when I went to visit the, the people in the end, I ended up got visited by um, uh, five men with steel hammers and they tried to, tried, to, tried to kill me. I was actually pulled my eye out, they ripped my ear off, I got stab marks all over my body. And um, as a result of that beating, I was quite lucky they never took me for a walk in the swamp, you know what I mean? And so uh, when I was in hospital, I was thinking real nasty stuff, bro. <laughs> and um, I was waiting for a rocket launcher to come in. I put in an order for a 7.62, some grenades, put in for 28 grams of ice, right? And I just wanted I, I wanted—I uh, wanted to take these, these people out. So I was sitting in a room smoking crack for about a week, listening to voices. And um, anyway, this picture dropped into my head. This is God, right? I wasn't thinking about God. And he dropped this picture into my um, my mind. And uh, I saw these kids crying. And I went, oh, what's kids crying for? And the voice said, they've got no dads. You just killed them all. Oh, that's real dumb. <laughs> so I thought, another picture came in my head. It was my mum. And so I rang my mum and I was paused. She's going, is that you, Owen? I was going, yeah. She goes, oh, I haven't heard from you. Oh, are you okay? I said, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not really good. She goes, you can come home if you want. And I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not allowed to come home. She goes, you're going back to prison. I said, yeah, I'm going back to prison. And she's, I said, mum, you know what? I'm just, a, I'm just stuffed up. I'm messed up, man. I'm just, you're not the reason why I've, I've gone to prison and all this stuff. And um, I love you, mum. I'll see you later. I hung up the phone, went back to my drawer. I had lots of guns. I picked a 45. I sat there with a clip. Full, full of full little jackets to crack pipe in my in my mouth, just talking to myself, you know what I mean? And then um, uh, I grabbed my tire, I grabbed my um, uh, crack pipe and uh, the gun, bro, and I went down to the beach. It was 12 o'clock at night. I looked around, make sure no one was looking. I said, if you got, pulled, put it straight under my chin, pulled it, bro, and it just went click, click. No that way. gun never jams. 
Yeah, and then I looked at it, offloaded into the sand, went off, and then I um I just said, God, if you're real, help me. I don't know who you are. Now it's quite funny, bro. Like I, I've I've been I've been doing this walk now for about probably 15, 16 years. You mentioned the word God, Jesus, Christian stuff. People go, ah, well, that's Jesus stuff. But I want to tell you, there's nothing more powerful than God, right? He's more powerful than a gun or a fist, as you'll hear when we start to talk about the places I've been to and the trust that you have of an all-powerful God who's compassionate and kind, and he can move stuff. He can stop rockets. He can stop drones, and he can stop jammed guns like he did with mine. And so I really don't fear man. I don't feel the consequences of man either. Is you know, like I, my hope is when I die from this place, he said you can come spend in heaven. But he needs rugged people like you and me, right, and others who have these encounters. I didn't have an encounter with a building called church. I have been no Bible college. I'm rugged as right. I, I um I don't mind having a couple of beers with my friends. A couple of beers, I'm done. You know what I mean? Um, I don't touch drugs anymore. Um, I'm not perfect, and that's why God can use people like 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 us because. I can tell that same religious story that people tell, right, without the religious words. But um, anyway, bro, through my brokenness, um, God sent this little man, little pastor, bro, to my doorstep. I was, uh, I had all these gangsters in my house smoking crack. My friend actually brought him my, my place to get a beating, he had an argument with him. He thought, I'm going to teach this preacher a lesson. I'm going to send him to Owen's place. He's going to get a hiding. And so um, he knocked on my door. If you knocked on my door, bro, I always had a gun in my pocket. And if you're my mate, we're like, sure, sweet, come in. As I looked at the door, I saw this old man sitting in the car, and I turned around to my friend. I said, hey, bro, who's that fellow sitting in the car up there? He goes, oh, that's Pastor Ken. He goes, yeah, you'll come to pray for you. Pray about what? He goes, pray you're going to have an encounter with, with Jesus. I started laughing. I went, you're crazy fellow, eh? You're crazy fellow. He goes, yeah, I'm crazy in love with Jesus. As I said, he'll set you free. Free from what? He goes, I don't know, maybe yourself. Never give your telephone number, bro, to a man of God, priest, God, I mean, any of those titles. Never give your telephone number if you're smashed on drugs. Because every day, bro, my phone would ring, right, and I'd be equally confused. I'm smacked on the ice looking at the phone like this, going, my mate, like, what's up? Bro, you're not going to believe it. What's happening? Bro, it's that priest. What was he on? Wants us to come sing and dance in some building somewhere. I'm sitting in court. You've been in court before. You know what it's like. I'm sitting there. I paid lawyers big money to tell lies. They're sitting there with their little Captain Cook hats on and their little penguin suits telling lies to the judge. You know what I mean? I was sitting there like this watching them tell lies. But in this courtroom, bro, there was two little old ladies on the right-hand side of the courtroom. She said, you know Pastor Ken? Yeah, I know Pastor Ken. And he came to visit you the other day, didn't he? I said, yeah, he came to visit me. And um, what do you want? And uh, they said, well, we just want to come and support you today. Do you know why I'm in court? No. Listen, I'm not really a nice person. I've got guns. I smoke crack. I'm a violent person. I do arm stick-ups, and I'm going to prison for a long, long, long time. And the lady, she sits there and she goes, you know Jesus loves you. Oh, my God, it's Jesus stuff. Right? And so I went home that night, bro, just like any other night, 7 o'clock in the morning. Ding dong. Right, my eyes are hanging out. I had panda eyes, right? And I opened the door and he's past standing at the door like this. I went, you're a really persistent old man, aren't you, Pastor King? And he goes, yeah. You want to come to our house? And uh, this is how we how we represent God. Uh, 
We just uh, want to help people. And that instant, bro, I knew that my life was out of control. I had a tear in my eye. And I, I just I just said, Pastor King, can you help me? That was a desperation from my heart. But if that's what the Jesus, which he was trying to explain to me, looked like living in him, bro, it was knocking on the door of my heart. And I thought, this is the same shit. Excuse my language. I've been doing for 12 years, in and out of prisons, lost, broken, you know what I mean? No hope. And here's this man offering me this aroha and this love. You know, I mean, this old man turning up my doorstep, still turning up to my court cases and sending people to, to tell me this Jesus loved me. I'm like, these Christians are real radical nutcases, you know what I mean? So anyway, bro, I end up giving my heart to the Lord and I end up coming back to prison. I'll tell you what, man, I led 81 people to the Lord in a Queensland prison. You can ask anyone who 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 spent prison with me. They'll tell you. I even had a fight for Jesus. It was funny. This is what I I say to people. Like, some people read Christians wrong. They think we're weak. You know what I mean? I've been in 57 nations, brother, in in the last 12 years. Not sponsored by any church. I'm not of the churches. I'm not of the buildings, right? I'm I'm, I'm Jesus-visited prostitutes, gangsters, tax collectors, and the religious people try to kill him. They still try to kill them today, and they still try and kill people, right, with if I just sing more, if I just read more. Most people don't understand the book, what the book's like anyway. I never, right? But when I got this easier book to read, right, with the easier words, I thought, well, that's a real cool story. That's just a training manual, bro, how to live your life. And I don't have to carry that book around. It's in my heart. And so, uh, bro, I've, um, in, the last, in the last 12 years, I've had uh, three women or two women and children uh, refuges in Henderson and a men's refuge in North Shore. I've had a street ministry for the last five years where we feed you know, about 170 uh, 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 meals every week. My mate Timmy, who you're probably going to be doing the story on, has, has taken over that work. Um, we've got life skills in court advocacy, wraparound services. For that work over the last two years, 2021-2022, I've been nominated as a local Kiwi Bank Hero of the Year for New Zealand of the Year which is really funny because I've got 12 pages of criminal convictions, all right? I'm not sponsored by, as I said, I don't, I, I, I've never taken any money off government or anything like that. They've given me a building. Um, I've met prime ministers, presidents. I've met billionaires, trillionaires. I've met people. It doesn't doesn't bother me what you do in your life, you know what I mean? And this is what I'm telling you. God has got a sense of humour. He can use anybody. And I'm the least of these when I'm you come against all these flash people. I'd be like, man, I like wearing my jandals. I'm unshaven, do you know what I mean? I like eating with my hands. <laughs> it was funny, bro, in Ukraine the other day, the um, Ukrainian govern- government gave us NGO status. We're sitting on this table and everyone's trying to be proper, eating this chicken with a knife and fork, right? The guy across from me, I know he's ex-special forces. He's fit looking, you know what I mean? And they've got the equivalent, probably the uh, uh, FBI and the NCIS and all that there and the Ukrainian government asking who we are. And um, I was thinking, this is really uncomfortable. I really want to put that chicken up and start munching on it, right? And the guy across from me, he picked this chicken up. I thought, that's me. I put the knife and fork down. I grabbed the chicken, bro. I started eating it, and he started laughing. <laughs> and then I said, yeah, I don't like the knife and fork either. I'd rather eat it with my hands. And then the big guy stood up, and then uh, he said um, he said a speech. And then, um, bro, I responded with a fight kōrero, and I said, um, I want to tell you that uh, you know we've come from the the we were warriors, the Maori Maori warriors from the First Nation to see the light, Aotearoa, New Zealand. I said we're here because we heard the cry of your people, and uh, we're a faithful people. But I'll tell you when we when we had enemy, we used to eat our enemies. <laughs> you know, it's like we're not going to eat you today, right? And then um, and in the morning, 
Um, I did a fight corridor for Ron Mark, and I said, usually when we uh, tell you about my people, we talk about our mountain, we talk about our river, we talk about our people. And I'm going to do a haka from Te Rauparaha. And uh, when they did this haka, they were all naked. I said, but I'm not going to keep my clothes off. I said, my face is going to be extremely angry and my voice is going to be extremely loud. Please don't call the special forces in here to wake us because we're your friends, right? <laughs> and so I, I, did, I did the haka, bro, and then they um, they gave us NGO status. But all honestly, I've cheated death that many times. I've done a heap of stink, bro, when I was when I was messed up. And there's probably people who will never forgive me for the things that I've said and done. And so, you know, if these people are watching right now, you know I mean? I, I'm not that person. When I was messed up on the ice for 12 years. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things to ask for forgiveness for people, but um, to actually actually live it. There's something, you know, when you can be a catalyst for change. And so there's going to be young people aspiring to be like some of the people that you're mentioning, sharing their stories. And so I'm an original 501 that was sent back to um, New Zealand. You can read thousands of stories of New Zealanders kept in detention centres like yourself. right, Bro, if you ask a lot of people and what they're doing for their work now, bro, their mahi, say, bro, what do you do for your mahi? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I work on the roads. Do you like what you do? Nah. Well, are you going to go home grumpy then? Do you go on holidays? No, nah, bro, I don't have any money. And so you've got all these imbalances in our lives about what we've chosen to accept. So we accept the circumstances. Oh, I've been in prison. I can't travel the world. Well, listen, I've been to 57 nations. The only place I can't get back into is Australia, right? And so I've stood before people that have the ability to say yes, all right? So we think paperwork's going to say no. But if you, you tick yes, and you stand before a government official, so well, what do you do? Feed the poor, clothe the homeless? What do you mean by that? I'm a missionary. And you should, I've got evidences of what I do. And I just say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's as simple as that. And if people can see that you're, um, you're, you're doing all it takes right, to better yourself for you and your family, then they've got to have a sense in their heart that you've changed, that that's not you and, and the stories that you've presented. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's really cool what you do. So I had to become. Um, I had to become a focal point from something that was so burned out red to something that can be used. And so, like, if the Australian government now were to do a character test on me now, I'd pass it hands down. And that's what we're asking uh, very soon to the new prime minister um, and their framework is to have a look at have a look at character testing. You know, how are you going to if 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 we can respond in a way that, that allows us to uh, gain entry back into to Australia. Mine's just to go and speak, not to go and live. But there's brothers that, that are longing to go home to their whanau, do you know what I mean? And and so that's my hope for people is, is that they could they could become something in their life too. My door is always going to be open for a conversation. Um, I try not to glorify the past, but it's a funny story. I mean, how God kept me alive. And um, a lot of the people that we mentioned, bro, they were hard people, bro, and you got caught in these hard places, you're a number, you know what I mean? You'd end up in the, end up in the swamp, but uh, God's grace kept me from that swamp. And so now my hope is to meet meet all those ones that are still alive because the majority of people I know, bro, they're dead. Um, and, um, you know, to, to have a look at the back on our lives, I wouldn't change anything to where I am now. So um, I, I love the Lord. All right, he set me free. And um doesn't mean that you have to go to a building, carry a Bible around with you, um, and do all those sorts of stuff. I'm ragged as, but um, I know that uh, he sustains me, bro.
Oh man, Owen Pumana, brother. I just man, I've got so much respect and, and love for you, brother. You know, it's a blessing to have um come across you, man, and to have met you and to be able to have been able to, you know, kick back with you and have a yarn and, and become friends with you because brother, you know, even in my own walk with the Lord, man, you're definitely someone um you know, I aspire to, I definitely think he put you in my life for a reason, brother, and couldn't agree more, man, you know, churches um, and the walk with the Lord is much more than a building, brother, you know, unfortunately, religion has twisted a lot, you know what I mean, and um, and I believe that they have, um, you know, tainted, you know, the word of the Lord in ways, not all of them, but, you know, just it's true. certain religious factions, and it's unfortunate, but brother, you know, thank you so much for jumping on and, and sharing your story and sharing your testimony. I'm sure you're going to speak to a lot of people, brother. And um, man, just stay safe over there, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, brother. And to all the brothers out there, gentlemen, just keep keep um, connected. Keep connected to someone. Eh? There's someone out there who cares. Don't shut off. Right? Speak to a brother. My door's always open, David, uh, for brothers who want to connect for some um, keys. Uh, be quite happy to share and walk with people, walk them out. Yeah, most definitely, man. Well, any closing remarks before we wrap this up, my bro? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I miss I miss Aotearoa, but like as I said before, you know, I, I need, need more brothers to come and you know feel led. You want to do some humanitarian work? It's a uh, it's it's really cool, bro. Helping people in uh, uh, hard places and war zones and you know needing food and all those sorts of stuff. But you can be whoever you want to be. Do you know what I mean? It's all about the choices. So. Um, uh, yeah, God's good, bro. And so God bless you all. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing a lot of brothers that I've spent prison with connect with me. Send me a message because I'd love to know what you're doing and, and, and what became of your life. And so I'm just, oh, and the Jesus freak. No guns going into the war zones watching rockets go over the top and drones and helicopters. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> We've extracted, bro, 55,000 people and taken in over 900 tons of food. I've been in there 11 times now to the Ukraine. They, people say, where's your gun? My guns went on my hand. <laughs> so it's all good, bro. <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? Say, my brother. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All, all right. right. And well, yeah, and anyone that wants to shoot Owen a message here, it's Owen Ponamano on Facebook. Um, I'll definitely leave that in the, in the description. But again, brother, much love and respect, man. And we'll talk soon anyway, my brother. All right. Bless you, brother. See you, mate.